0: You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Well, welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Tom Radford. Hi there, how are you doing? Now, Tom Radford. Now, do you drive a Ford? <laughs>
1: uh, I don't drive a Ford. I have driven a Ford. I, I used to drive a Volvo, but it was uh, it was a very bad car, um, and then it blew up. So, uh, no, I don't drive a Ford.
0: <laughs> like, do we mean blow up by an explosion, or the engine just gave out?
1: Well, uh, we were going up the going up the motorway, which is a highway, and um, just the gas the head gasket just went and there's like a big dent in the bonnet and up it went and that was the (laughs) just steam comes pouring out of the engine and we just pull over and that was that basically i've had no luck with cars
0: i had someone that had a broken arm and i asked them, i was like how'd you break your arm they're like oh airplane accident so in my mind i was thinking oh my god you got into an airplane accident and they're like no i fell off the airplane like as i was trying to like you know get off the airplane i just fell and landed in the like um like the little, I guess, the connecting to the airport. I'm like, that's not an airplane Actually, goes, it was an accident, and it happened at an airport. I'm like, okay. <laughs> what, you mean you fell down
1: the staircase
0: thing? Or? Yeah, like, the, like you know, when you're getting off the airplane, like when you, when you enter, they have the connecting thing. is pushed right up against it. He just tripped walking out. I'm like, all right. I mean, you said airplane accident. I thought you, like, jumped out and were saving some kids or something.
1: Sounds like natural selection has got him pegged.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about yourself and if you want what you do professionally.
1: Well, uh, it's kind of a funny story. Um, I was um I worked in IT for about forty years um and, and hated it. Well not forty years. I mean I worked I, I, I at the age of forty I was still working in IT. I was doing that because we had, you know, three kids and stuff. Um and then my wife got a job in Singapore. Um so I went out there and I thought well, I didn't know what I was gonna do and I just blagged my way into a production company as a writer. On the basis of some crazy um blogs i've done in the past and and then i realized that, that this was a real job that i never knew, knew existed and i was creative director in three months because i'm like this is fantastic this is a real job and um, so i did that and then did that for about three years and then i uh, got bored with those guys and set up my own little um, production company uh, which was basically just me and a lot of freelancers and we just did like commercials and and you know a lot of b2b sort of like uh work with banks and things like that and, and that was great and then um and then so i'm now back in the uk and uh i'm, I'm what they sort of politely call between positions at the moment that is to say not, not actually working although i
0: i'm a basically a freelance creative director you're in transition i get it I, i've been there before too man i mean i just literally am getting over that too I'm heading into a new uh position and stuff but how has that changed to Singapore, like just out of nowhere i mean did you go from the uk to Singapore?
1: Yeah, we went straight there. Um, it's a bit of a shock. I mean, obviously, temperature-wise was the first thing because uh, <laughs> you walk out of the airport, you're like, "Oh my God, what have we done?" Um, yeah. But uh, it's, it's a very, it's a t- totally different culture. It's very interesting. It's an island full of um, expats. Um, expats behave very differently to uh, to n- normal people. <laughs> um, they're, it's kind of, they're a bit like pirates. I mean, when it comes to um, uh, to doing business and stuff, you know, in Singapore. The business consists of going to a bar and you will meet people and they will introduce you to someone. And the
0: next thing, you know, you've got a client. That's how it works. In America, it's practically the same thing. I mean, we, what, we have coffee, we get a beer, we go out and do whatever, but it's like, there were a the thing, back in the past, company meetings. I've never actually been to one. I don't think that's a really a thing anymore. I feel like everybody just hits themselves up on Snapchat or Instagram like, "Hey man, we got a we got a benefit on Friday, you know, we're 15 down in the polls or something." I'm like, "Okay, I guess that's how we're doing business now." But like sitting down having a meal, going out to a corporate dinner, put it on the company card, you know, that whole thing. That was a big, like successor in your development of your company. But it's really, really strange because now people can post stuff on social media and get that same, you know, funding, or they can get that same attention from a client. But like, you got to take them out, you got to wine them and dine them, man. And depending on where you're from, such as like, if you're in the UK, you're probably going out, you know, go get a pint or maybe um, some tea or something. And next thing you know, like in America, it's coffee or it's strip clubs or it's whatever you want to call it. And it's like, Come on, we got to we got to bring business
1: back. Yeah, I mean, in Singapore, I really did notice it. I mean, it was pretty. Some of these guys, I mean, even in well into their fifties and sixties, are pretty hardcore drinkers, and you know, um, and it all used to get a bit messy. But you, you would find that. See what I what I've um, I I've found is that when you go out drinking with people, um, you know, and that's how you build trust. You know, because you, if you, if you're just going to go out for a drink with someone and they say I'm just going to drink Coke, I'm just going to drink some water, you're not kind of playing the game. You have to sort of let you show a little weakness and show a little fallibility. and then then I think people are sort of like, okay, I've let my guard down a bit. Who's let his guard down a bit? We talked some some shit, and 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 now I think I can probably get on with this person. You know what I mean? I my wife never seemed to understand that, but I try <laughs> to explain it to her, but that's how it is, you know? Well, um, no,
0: Like even with this, like I'm surprised you've responded so quickly when doing the podcast, I literally not even five minutes ago, sent you a message. Like you want to be on a podcast. You're like, sure. And like, openness from it. You don't see that a whole lot in today's world. Um, I think it's getting a little bit more strictive just because of the way we've kind of taken, um, actions as people, when it comes to like, it seems like everybody's got their guard on high. Uh, But everybody also wants to be famous quickly. And like with the business meeting idea, what that pops into my head is the movie Click. I don't know if you've ever seen that with Adam Sandler. Uh, I
1: don't don't think I have, man.
0: Well, they were having a business meeting with some Japanese clients, and they had to take them to a nice fancy restaurant. And um, he has this remote that basically controls the universe. So he just puts subtitles on to hear what the Japanese people are saying. And at the bottom, it says, why do we have to go to this fancy restaurant? Why can't we just go to a strip club? So when the, uh, the Japanese people walk back over, he's like, what are we doing here? Why don't we go to a TJI Fridays and go maybe hit up a strip club? And they're like, yes. And they're all like screaming and clapping and stuff. It's like, that was the thing. They want that connection. Like there is obviously business, but to be successful in a business, to have a partner, to get funding, to do all this somebody can invest their money into you, but not fully trust you. So you're not going to get that full support. You're just going to be like, Here, I'll give you this, see how much it goes or something. But it's like when you're able to let that guard down, you're able to party, you're able to do so much stuff. And the, first of all, connect with someone, just like a conversation like me and you, it goes open and free. You don't feel like you're restricting yourself on anything and you're actually getting to know somebody.
1: I think that's true. I think that, you know, if you think about your best friendships and stuff, and the thing that, that, that bonds you all together is your weaknesses and your failings and your the you know the, the things that you do that are naughty those that's what that's what true friendship is about you know anybody that does you know truly um show their fallibilities to someone is not a true friend in my opinion you you have to really kind of be like that one of the, have you been to japan i wish it's a it's a crazy it's a wonderful place i mean it's so different to anywhere else i've ever been but uh um, they're a funny lot because um, they go during the day it's like super intense you know that very very you know quiet offices and they all work hard and they're all kind of like you know there's real hierarchical structure they've got going on and then when they go out drinking it is it is off off the rails i mean out of control and um, but i've been in places seeing these guys and they, they you know they get up and the, the boss has to do a toast and someone else to do a toast and we're talking like i mean I, I, in, the UK, in the uk a shot of whiskey is quite a small thing and in america it's quite big if you imagine a big american shot over and over again um, and and then they, they they just end up falling asleep face down in the in the uh in the railway station on a friday night after they've done this and then of course monday morning there they are back on the job again it's it's a it's a peculiar um <laughs> culture. Uh, yeah,
0: drinking's different like it, I, I i'm not a big drinker i mean i'm 22 but i've never bought an illegal drink of alcohol just because it affected my life in a weird way but i look at it and i'm like i get why people really do it I see the benefit when it comes to people that have severe social anxiety that really need it to kind of loosen up. But it is like the world, it, a lot of times, especially with the way society is and the way like you have to work, you know, you know, all the stresses of life, you know, it does, I, I do see the benefit of trying to get the day over with, but you'll see so many kids in their twenties that go out partying all the time. It's because they're lost too. Like a lot of them don't know what they want to do. I don't know what I want to do, but I don't feel like drinking to get over it. But it's a bonding experience. Like when we're talking about the guards of conversation too, like it's, I, I I come across it every time I get into a podcast. Cause like the first 10 minutes or so, you know, I feel I'll fail if I don't let that guard down. Like if, if I don't get that guard down, it's not that I'm trying yeah. to attack you, but it's like, you're not comfortable. You're sitting there giving me like, okay, yeah. Okay. It's like, where's the conversation? Let me, let me get you to relax. You know, let's light some candles, set the mood. <laughs> Well, some people find it very
1: difficult to be open. I mean, I, um, uh, so I've been going through a kind of, um, reinventing my life. Part of what this white-sized thing I'm doing is all about that stuff. And I've been started writing the book for 40, today's 48, 49 days, um, just about this whole subject, because I, I find it so strange, like, um, um like i was in a marriage which has kind of just come to an end and um you 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 realize sometimes that you you spend your whole life pretending to be something that you're not um because that's the way that you know particularly my generation were kind of brought up in uk to be kind of guarded and everything and and i sort of came to the conclusion that if you if you if you you're like that and you keep your guard up the whole time and try and keep you cool you'll never get what you want you'll just get what's what this made-up person wants um and and so I've, I've started writing this blog about it it's all about broken thinking and i'm just like you know i'm gonna be me and if you don't like it you can
0: start off you know um with, with even the writing inspiration like what do you particularly like to write about i mean are you a big reader or are you just like writing things like i i'm I, i'm a secret poet person like i'll write i have a poetry <laughs> book by my computer like i haven't really had the i guess um passion to want or drive to first of all writing it because everything in my head right now is kind of like kind of depressing but like sometimes I'll open up a window like you know there's a fresh rain outside I'm hearing the rain picker patter across the street or something I get really my poems become all about nature all about the world or just observations that I make in my everyday life and um I, I really wanted to write a book or write a short story but With my ADHD trying to get me to sit down and write like a 50-page book unless it's on a computer it ain't fucking happening.
1: Yeah no I I totally get that I mean um, in terms of writing I mean I when I was your age I used to write poems all the time you know mainly sad things about girls you know but I actually also do find it very inspirational to write Um, and the, the, the advice I would give to anybody in writing is try not to try just try to write for yourself and don't Try when you're writing, you sort of start to imagine other people reading it, and I think that screws things up a bit. You, you just have to write for yourself. I mean, me, I, you know, I used to write a blog when when I first got to Singapore. I wrote a blog, and because I like writing comedy, I've done stand-up and stuff, and I, and I, I tried to write everything really, really funny. And I was oh, this is great, you know. And I realized that was all fake. And this, the, the one I'm doing now is is much more. um I'll say things that are kind of, you know, uh, make me feel a little bit uncomfortable. A friend of mine said that my my blog is 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 you know squirmingly uncomfortable to read um because i i I feel that people just just don't um don't say what they feel and i I enjoy i've actually had guys come up to me and say you know i'm really glad that you wrote that he said i feel that but i could never say that because because guys you know particularly from my generation still have this idea they have to be cool you know so I, i like i like doing that i like being honest i've always been a very you know very open you know end up in a bar with someone who's a complete stranger and telling my entire life story kind of guy and that's just it's not a good
0: thing i don't know yeah i mean that's happened i've done that too it's weird too like you randomly meet somebody you just start dumping out every single thing and they'll just sit there (laughs) okay i'm like i guess you just were here for that moment because like i don't i've never Mm. done that to anybody before but they're just sitting there like it's all right like i don't care and um you know, with the, even with the openness too, that's not just with, um, you know, this generation, millennials, all these people that are coming up like younger and younger and younger. Um, They're very, they're being very, very open. I think that's just the power of social media. But like, I, I, I mean, if I go to a therapist or something, there's like, she's like, you know, you don't see a lot of guys in here looking to talk to someone about their problems. I'm like, I don't like talking about my problems. I like helping other people. I like pushing mine down and trying to figure out mine myself. I do a lot of inner reflecting and stuff. And it comes out in my poetry but even when you're trying to write something too like you're talking about uh writing um you know you did stand up comedy or you know writing jokes for that for a little while and then doing your own personal blog and a lot of it kind of seems a little bit i guess would you say off putting to some or would you say it's just like a little bit kind of awkward
1: i think for some i mean it's 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 interesting because i communication's never really been a problem for me i've never been a hugely private person i Whereas, and I, I I, realize more and more that a lot of people I know just like you say do find it very hard to communicate because you know we live in a world particularly as you're saying about social media I mean I, I think that people are open in some ways but they're also incredibly guarded about themselves because this people are so concerned about being judged all the time now I and mean, the kind of call out culture and the cancel culture is, is terrifying to me um, and people I, you know, I don't want someone to think the wrong thing about me so they'll spend ages sort of choreographing this um, fake kind of facebook me or whatever it is instagram me um, that we hide behind but um yeah you know, I, I i i don't so i don't really adhere to that I, I try to sort of be myself as much as i can because for, for the for two reasons one is that it that may inspire other people which i, I hope it will but also i i i need affirmation you know I, I, I don't have confidence that my, my mind is, is, is the be
0: all and end all and I need to So I like to bounce it off other people and see what they say. Um, and I've always done that. I've done a lot of inner reflecting and I, I was trying to, I was saying this to someone that was like, um, she is a therapist, but, um, she wasn't mine, but she was like, she was like, you need to find like your inner problems. I'm like, I know what my inner problems is. Like, I, I care too much about what other people think of me. That's the thing. Like I care about wanting all this stuff, but I like to be my authentic self. So I'm conflicted with two things. And she was like, you're basically I've already analyzed yourself. Like you don't need any other you know information on it because you seem like you have it figured out, you know what the problem is and you've been fixing it. I'm like, yeah, like, you know those things with ego whenever someone talks to me and says like oh you're wise above your years i'm like don't give that to me cuz you're inflating my ego my ego is a problem i do have it i may seem very humble but you know i have my inner thoughts in my head like oh you're you're good for this you can do this you can do that yeah i get it but like when i'm writing something too like there are people out there that have a very good way of talking. I like to think I do. I like to think that I'm I'm pretty good at not making dead air. I'm pretty good at keeping a conversation going. I'm pretty good at, you know, t- talking, which is a which is a talent. A lot of people have it. Like my family's radio broadcasters, so it's probably where I get it from. <laughs> it's in the but, blood. Yeah. But like one of my uncles, he, he's a radio broadcaster. He does the Shorebird Stadium and all that stuff, uh, which is a baseball team. So he's sitting there, the announcer coming up to first base, you know, that whole thing. Right. And, yeah. um, his dad was a well, like well-renowned author, like published many, many different books. But his dad never spoke. And the only time he could ever express his words is when he put his pen to paper. And, you know, that's everyone's got an ability. Everyone's got a message, but people display it in different ways, such as yourself being open. And you're saying people are saying stuff like I would never be able to say that, but you can type it or you can write it and it comes out. It's because like for some people, that's the easiest form of communication.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I always used to have a mantra, which was kind of, you know, I, I can't, I think the worst thing that could ever happen to you is to die misunderstood. You know, so no one knows who you really were. And so, whether it does me good or bad, I, you know, well, as I was writing this blog, I was saying, I'm glad I've written all this down, because if I go under a bus tomorrow, at least some people will have some idea who I actually was, as opposed to this fake thing that I was pretending to be to protect myself. So, I mean, but I'm, I'm maybe I'm lucky in the fact that I that I am happy to communicate. And it, it's so interesting what you say about writers. I mean, there are so many writers who you think are the most erudite people, and you know but they they had all sorts of social issues I mean like you say you're ADHD I'm definitely ADD and um, I didn't even realize I was diagnosed by a doctor who just said you know that
0: right and I was like no I didn't know that <laughs> but apparently I am that's better um, than my doctors my doctors and school teachers thought I was mentally challenged they try to throw me out like put me in a room and everything I'm like I'm not mentally challenged I just can't sit still let me sharpen this pencil again and I'm just sh- <laughs>
1: uh yeah i mean i'm 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 not i don't with me it's um it's, it's staying on focus is quite difficult i mean doing things like stand up when you're add i mean a lot of those guys are but sometimes you've got to keep your train of thought because you're just looking out the window the whole time and it's still it was a nightmare i just couldn't focus on anything um and um but it, <laughs> suddenly i'm thinking what the hell am i talking about um yeah but uh I, I, I think um, where, where do we where would we start where are we going
0: with well, that one? Just like what you just experienced, just prove the point. Look, this isn't live or anything, but I'm keeping that in there because this is a good point my mind does the same thing. I'll be talking to someone and while you're sitting there talking to me, my mind is going off already going on tangents. Like I wonder what a Kit Kat would taste like if you broke it in half and then dipped it in different things, like maybe whipped cream or maybe like, just what the hell does that come from? I don't know, but it pops into my head. Like, why does a ladybug bug have spots on its back? What do they mean? Is that a deeper thing in evolution? Could that be a conspiracy theory? Like if I was going (laughs) to write something, Was it made in a lab? (laughs) Exactly. If I was going to write something, I really got interested when I started looking up actual theories and facts, a lot about philosophy and a lot about visuals and things that have happened in the past because it's helped to predict the future. So like, I would love to write a conspiracy book. I would love to write something where I can go off and I, I get jealous when I see people that can write, you know, like love novels or comedies or, you know, action plays or Edgar Allan Poe is one of my favorite writers. I mean, Just the the amount of talent that goes into words, too. Even though every time I picture Edgar Allan Poe, it's John Cusack because he played in that Edgar Allan Poe movie.
1: (laughs) It's interesting. You're asked whether I'm a a big reader. I'm not a big reader. Not not because I don't. I mean, I'm so envious of people that do read. I, I can't stay focused on a book not because it's not a good book but because if something starts to inspire me it makes my mind wander so if i'm enjoying a book i'm suddenly next time oh that's interesting and you know and i'm staring out the window again i find it really hard to whereas that's where i love movies because movies pull you in and you're kind of there the whole time and my kids and my ex-wife and everybody they they read prolifically all my sisters read prolifically, but i find it really difficult and, and yet writing my sisters say she's always says to me, oh, I said, why don't you write something because you, you've read so much? She says I can't write because I've read so much. She's, she thinks everything she's going to write is plagiarism. And whereas I used to work in IT and it was, the job was so stupid that I wrote five novels while I was sat sitting there at the desk. You know they're all crap, but I wrote you know, <laughs> just because I'm like I'm bored, I'm going to write a novel. And so it, so I'm better at focusing on writing things than I
0: am reading them um well if you that. think about it we're all technically like plagiarists in a way because every single words and every single thought that we really have is not really our own it's kind of something we've heard you know like when it comes to, to politics or something someone's like oh but this happened and this happened it's like is that your actual view or is that just the thought of somebody else's that you heard and now you're using it as your own like we're we take bits and pieces from everything and you know it's information processing ever since we're a baby like no one really realizes every single word everything we're taking it from bits and pieces of stuff we've heard and we just crafted it into our own unique sentence but that's technically still plagiarizing it's like you know i don't know how many times my teacher's like you plagiarized. i'm like how i literally talked about a burrito for five minutes i don't know what you else <laughs> i don't know where i could have gotten that from like i literally talked about the consistency of a hot pocket being hot on the outside but cold as shit on the inside i don't know like that's a common thing i guess but the, you know like that whole like see when we start talking about this, we talk about writing, we talk about acting, we talk about photography, all these things I look at as beneficial things to society. You know, we talk about people being able to do them or being able to like have a certain thing like, oh, he's a photographer. He's good at taking pictures. Those are needed. There are people out there that can't take a fucking photo. There's a person trying to work a camera or something. They're like, I can't, I'm taking pictures of myself. I'm taking pictures of myself. It's like, all right, turn it around. But When you look at those, like writers, people that can craft out a story, there's people out there that wish they had that ability, but don't, but have the ability that that other person wants, like as taking photos. You need photos to produce wonderful images and beautiful things for us to stare at to improve our mood. They're mood enhancers. You need stories and books to be able to create knowledge and information and wonderment and all this stuff into our heads. You need movies and everything for visual inspiration as well
1: it's it's interesting what you say about plagiarism i mean people just go so far down the rabbit hole and when i was a kid they didn't have all these tools where they could pick out plagiarism and everything so i'm sure that i was plagiarizing without even realizing it half the time um but everybody's i mean you know i was listening to a great um an old recording of john lennon the other day and one thing i love about john lennon he always talks about where his influences came from he basically just says we just copied american black music and just turned it into something else and uh, Mozart was a plagiarist, you know, it, because plagiarism isn't, is not is it's kind of a silly word. As long as you're not stealing someone's intellectual property, plagiarism is just growth. You know, you stand on the shoulders of giants and, and, and you go higher and higher. To, 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 and this is why I used to get annoyed with my sister. I'm like, for goodness sake, you're, you're, you're so frightened of doing something because you think you're going to be copying something. But you might come up with something new, you know, or you might come up with a new way of looking at something. And that's 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 the exciting thing. Also. Whenever I've been written something or I've done a joke, and someone says, "Yeah, yeah, you nicked that from someone else," I always get quite cross with them. I'm like, "No, I never purposely nick anything from anybody," because i because for me, I mean, I used to play in the band and be a leading in the band. And someone said, "Why don't you play covers?" I'm like, "Why would I want to play covers? I don't want to. I don't want to hear someone clapping for someone else's song. It doesn't interest me." Um. So I, 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 I plagiarism is a funny thing. You have to accept that it exists, but. But you don't do it on purpose.
0: Well, it's the same thing you'll come across with a lot of podcasters or stuff you listen to where they'll take a bit or something that somebody said, like their own thoughts or their own kind of coming across opinions and they'll use it in there and act like it's their own without knowing that they did it. It just happens. I've listened to so much Joe Rogan. I've listened to so many podcasts you can go back through all my episodes and I could tell you a lot of that stuff, that information and stuff I've used a statistical fact or a thing that happens, but I try and quote them. I try and say, this is from this, this is from that and trying, and, because I know I'm using it, but a lot of people do it without even knowing, you know, like somebody, Hey, you know, did you know that, uh, Tom Holland's actually a girl. And then like, what Tom Holland's a girl. Yeah. Like before you can look it up on the internet and you know, back in the day when, your parents told you something and you ran with it and thought they were right because they're your parents. So you're going around telling everybody and people are like, that's not true. That's not true. It's like, I knew I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. I heard, you know, that whole thing. It's like I said, there's so much information. There's everything that's been out of here. When we talk about plagiarism, it's, it's impossible not to accidentally use something of somebody's, but it's about turning it and making it into your own. You know, like when you're writing in something, you can sit there and, copy verbatim of what somebody said but you know like with folklore books that's a problem there they're trying to get historical facts right and also like the whole thing behind it but you know if you're describing Bigfoot you can't go be like oh Bigfoot had wings Bigfoot had this it's like you still have to go off the original model I love Bigfoot that's
1: the reason I got into Joe it's the reason I got into Joe Rogan in the first place I was looking for stuff about Bigfoot and I went into some of his and then then I love UFOs as well so I went down that road as well and I'm absolutely obsessed
0: with it. <laughs> I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Bigfoot believer. I, don't, I, can't, I can't help it. Thank God I finally found one. I've been trying to get <laughs> someone to bring up Bigfoot in a conversation for the longest time, man. Look, I get it. I'm very open-minded as a person. I would love to think that Bigfoot's out there, mostly because have you ever heard of Smokey the Bear? No. All right, he's an American icon that's like, only you can prevent forest fires. He's a fucking like bear wearing a Texas (laughs) Ranger hat or something. Look, I'm telling you, Bigfoot would take a stick and beat that son of a bitch. I'm, I I can't, I look at that. I'm like, you're copying Bigfoot. It's like you get the knockoff version for like two bucks less. But what's your picture of Bigfoot? Because in my mind, I picture a giant, like what Bigfoot looks like, but he's wearing yogi robes, like a monk's outfit. And he has a giant wooden staff and he's called the protector of the forest.
1: That's an interesting, well, that's like Her the Hunter that we had in Straight Claw. Um, I take the view that he's, it's, it's one of these relic hominids, um, you know, the gigantic or whatever it is. I, it's kind of strange because obviously you know, it seems to me that the better cameras get, the less photos there are. It's the same with UFOs. Um, but, I, I, you know, I, I take the view that not that you, all these people cannot be full of shit. I mean, there are thousands of people doing this. It's just that like everybody thinks, wakes up one morning and goes, oh, you know, my life's going nowhere. I'm going to pretend I saw Bigfoot. You know, I've seen people that are like, um, some of these interviews of people who just don't want to talk about it, but they scared the hell out of them. Um, I, I'd like to think that it exists. I love to think that there's still mystery in the world. And um, I, I don't think it wants anything to do with us. I think it's, I mean, the Pacific Northwest forest is so huge um you know you wouldn't be able to find it you wouldn't be able to see it and you'd never find a body it would just rot away you know i'm, I'm pretty convinced that it's there you know, I, I don't i think it's just a big relic hominid that just doesn't just it's very very hard to, to pin down you know there's,
0: there's literally a bigfoot society of people that go out and hunt for bigfoot every single year go on giant like they get funding from the state too which is a little bit crazy but i i like i said you know it's like you're saying it's it's a, it's 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 possible like i i looked into cryptozoology i looked into all these types of things there's about 9.6 million species still left undiscovered about 6.4 of them are in the water and two or three no is it, yeah 3.2 left discovered on land but people hear that and they go that's impossible i said no it's not because if you look there's a different detail or something about an insect about all these things that turn into a whole different species. You know, it's not something dramatic, like a rhino turning into a, a buffalo or something ridiculous like that. It's not an elephant or a giraffe or whatever it is turning from something like a dinosaur. It's like, no, it's literally like a mosquito that evolved into having four sets of wings instead of two. That's a, that's a different species. Those slight little differences, whether it's the nose, whether it's like a hummingbird switching from a, whatever, a different type of bird, it's, it's that simple. So when we look at There is literally before technology was invented when, you know, let's go back to Bigfoot. Let's go back to the Yeti when all this stuff was first coming out. The Yeti was in Malaysia so far away without any communication for over here that Bigfoot was a thing people are describing two of the same exact beings just with different adaptive abilities, such as one having a different color of fur and being able to survive in colder climates while another one was adapted to a different area. Is it hard to think at one point there was a species of this race or whatever that was developed like this? I mean, we grew up into something. Are you surprised with all the information and everything we're discovering now that was wrong for so long. People are still in disbelief of something like that. I think it's definitely possible.
1: Well, it's easier to disbelieve something it's easier to be a skeptic than a believer because again it's this whole thing about well everyone thinks i'm a dick if i believe in something and uh, yeah, it, it's interesting i mean you think that the, the mountain gorilla in in uh, tanzania that was a myth until the till the last century everyone thought it was bo- bollocks until someone just actually said no no it's real look here's one but then no one believed it was real and and of course nowadays we just take it for granted of course it's real and you're talking about something that is going to be hyper adapted to its environment. You know, you go out into the Pacific Northwest forest. I've never been, I'd love to go one day, but you can't even see your your own friends that are 10 feet away in those woods. And so I I, I completely believe that that there is something there. I mean, you know, because also we're in a strange situation for most of the development of human beings. There were relic hominids around us. There were Neanderthals. There were other ones, the the home of Florensis and all those things. They all died out. The last ones died out maybe ten, five thousand years ago. But so actually, this situation where there aren't any bigfoots is an unusual situation. So they probably are still there. There always have been other other, you know, branches of the of the tree that started off with you know with the apes coming down from the trees. So I just think also you know because the problem is is that you know some of the sort of rednecks and stuff associated with um, the, the bigfoot hunter, you know, people are like oh god, look at these hillbillies going out there, but they're well, probably just, you know, just because you don't see any black guys going out there <laughs> doesn't mean that it's. That they're all liars. I mean, there's a lot of crap. It's going
0: to be difficult to even try and establish any credibility now when it comes to a photo or something with the uh, amount of technology that's been out now. We can Photoshop so many things. You can't even tell if it's real or not real anymore. Half the time I see someone take a selfie in a mirror, I'm like, that's fucking fake. Like, I that's that's fake. Like, all this stuff. It's like, because we know so much now and like information, you know, if you saw a photo back in the day, it was believable. It was like, oh my God, you caught something. Even if someone did figure out how to manipulate it. But now it's like so easy a kid on their phone could do it i mean half the time i can photoshop something on snapchat to do a funny picture for instagram like it's like it's that simple like it we're we're, we're living in a world where like now it's going to start everybody's going to be a skeptic about everything are you really at that diner i don't know if you are at that diner you know show show that you're there show your receipt it's like what i've just taken a picture of a burger right now
1: i've seen i've seen you know these deep fake things of like politicians and that scares the shit out of me I mean, they could make anybody say anything and you'd believe it um, because it's so real now. Um, I mean, we're we're going into a situation where it's kind of strange. As technology goes forwards and we're actually having to go backwards because we're going to need things on paper and we're going to actually need to see things face-to-face because we're not going to believe anything. So technology is going one way, but actually the way it was supposed to be taking us into this wonderful world of information, we trust less and less of what we actually see. I mean, it's quite funny in the UK. I was writing a blog about it this week this whole coronavirus thing it seems to have taken the whole world by storm with the fears to just be a bad cold but whatever and um, and everyone's like oh my god oh my god they're buying it and they're believing it and they're getting behind it yet yeah, three or four months ago everyone was saying that everything online was fake news you well, make your mind up what do you, how come you believe this and you didn't believe that <laughs> you know it seems crazy to me because you know i look at what i'm seeing i see the numbers i'm like this is a bad cold if i'm 85 years old and i've got a you know fucked lungs okay this is going to kill me i'm not (laughs) so uh, what's going on what what's behind this who's benefiting from this i suddenly get really suspicious and conspiratorial about this i I don't know what's going on it seems very strange to me this i don't know know whether whether it's hitting hard out there
0: even with the coronavirus like we have a few people that popped up in the states having and it's free everybody's freaking out i think it's the amount of attention it's getting because of how quickly it's spreading and how contagious it is um, there's, I don't know if you're uh, you probably are too old to understand this game, no offense, but um, it's called pa- uh, Pandemic. I don't know if you've ever heard of it,
1: Pandemic,
0: yeah. So basically, what it is is you start this game off, you get to choose either a virus. Oh, back- you yes, i have played it, it's awesome, yeah. That game is awesome. That's what's happening with coronavirus, it's just something that's adapting quickly, you know, it's not started by anybody, it's just it's it popped up, it's a um, you know, it's it's just spreading it's adapting quicker it's learning how to do with climates it now just infected a dog so it's like it's hitting a bunch of different people but you know there are some people that are being killed from it now it's like we're trying to cut off the contamination i'm like it's 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 gonna get a lot we're gonna fix it we're gonna figure out what it is but everybody's freaking out like there's stores that have to go and buy like extra toilet paper and pallets of toilet paper because they're always out of stock i'm like is everybody getting chronic diarrhea like what's happening right now like i've had that my whole life (laughs) I'm thinking, yeah, what, what exactly is – you can't
1: hide behind tissue. That's not going to do anything for you. I, we've got, my sister's got a load in. I mean, we've got enough. I could wipe everybody in the neighborhood's ass three or four times the amount of paper we've got here. And I don't, I don't, I don't understand
0: what that's got to do with viruses, but it just seems that one person did it, so everybody's doing it. And this like, is quite interesting. It's like when a hurricane comes, food and water, food and water. I'm like, fuck that. Let's get the porno mags. We're going to be inside for a while. <laughs> exactly you know if you're going to have to
1: um you know self-isolate or whatever it is you know yeah fine let's just you know let's get a couple of box sets in and uh you know order in some food um but it is crazy because you know we are we become these sort of what i call selfish indoor communicators that we are on on uh, on social and stuff the way that we you know we hide it you're sitting there in your underpants and telling everyone on facebook that you're the best guy in the world you know and yet when it comes to this kind of thing we suddenly turn into the raging mob again you know like it's like it's like a lynch mob everyone's running around and i I compared it to that scene in jaws where where the where the the sharks in there and people are running out of the sea and they're just trampling over children and stuff because they want to get out and i almost i can almost envisage that you know if someone says oh there's someone on our streets got this you know they're going to they're going to throw a brick through the window or something, you know. It, 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 people just suddenly regress into these kind of cavemen when this stuff happens.
0: Have you ever seen Flash or uh, Black Friday? No you should look up a video of black friday on your phone what's going to happen is you're going to see people like if black friday is like the day after thanksgiving when all. oh you
1: people... mean black Friday? i thought it was a film no i know what yeah no, i've seen some videos of yeah. these people getting, people going into the step stocks. on yeah, each yeah.
0: other's throats for a flat screen tv that's the same thing when a zombie apocalypse happens <laughs> the first thing i'm not doing is i'm not going to the store only because <laughs> Everybody's going to be killing each other, trying to get whatever this, trying to, you know, trample each other. Like people are going to be dying from that and all this type of stuff. I'm like, let that all clear out, get it done with it. And then you go pick off what's left or whatever. Cause I'm telling you, there's always that one person in the group during a zombie apocalypse that's buying the dumb shit. And that's me. Like, there's one dude that's like grabbing rubbers and grabbing like porno mags and airsoft guns, and you're like, What we don't need that, and you're like, Yeah, we do. We're gonna be locked inside for a while. I want to have fun, like, you don't understand. We can use these condoms as armor. It's like, What? But, um, I have a specific story. Uh, there was Hurricane Sandy, I don't know if it affected you. This was like a few years ago. Uh, I think ago. We, we tend to get the tail end of them when they come back the other way, but not as bad as you guys. So, my mom gave me like, I think, uh, like ten dollars to go get a thing of water and to go get like some uh like some you know like chips or something soft like so everyone in the family can eat like you know like um my grandma was with us she was like in her 70s so she's like get something that she can eat as well but also get water because we need water i came back with two two liters of mountain dew because everybody was fighting over the water i was like 16 you don't do that to a 16 year old like you don't or you don't give them money and expect like to get anything good of what you want. I'm going to get what I want. So I walk in, I get the two liters of Mountain Dew and stuff because everyone's fighting over water and getting the perishable foods. I just picked up a bunch of Doritos and stuff and came back and she's like, Where, where's the water and stuff. I'm like, I got this. She's like, you expect your grandma to eat spicy nacho Doritos. I'm like, she don't have to have any if she doesn't want any, like <laughs> it's that whole thing. You know what I mean? But we have this, um, this, this mentality is people like, We had a deep inherent skill and trait in us all at one point in our history, um, way back in the day before technology or before uh, society advanced so much as we had an inert, I guess, care for people. We really did love each other. We really did want to help because helping each other was a way of survival. You know, the only time you really ever see these moments anymore is in a critical state in our world, like coronavirus. If this got really, really, really super big where the whole world's losing, like, you know, there's a small number of the population left, you're going to see people come together. It's the same thing you see in a zombie apocalypse. People drop their shit and they create a group or they do something you know, and then you end up coming across another group or something, you end up having conflict. But most of the time, it's like, we need to drop our differences. And we need to look at there's a bigger problem. There's a zombie eating my sister right now, we need to focus on trying to be a community again. And that's how it was back in the day in a hunter and gatherer days. But you know, food's gotten so easy to get everything. There's no not really a really a problem anymore. And when there's not a problem in the world anymore, such as trying to climb to the next advancement. Um, People start to fight. We get bored. We want to do something. We want to start up a Twitter that's, war. That's
1: absolutely it. I mean, I, 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 when I look at all the kind of outrage culture on on, on, on social media and stuff, and I feel it's like, it's, it is, it's people like, I need some outrage in my life. I need some. I need something to be frightened of. I'm not, I've, I've got a war to fight. I haven't got a, you know, some terrible thing going on. So I have, I have to be outraged about something. I have to be offended about something because, because I think it's almost like it's human nature. It kind of keeps us going. We've got nothing to fear. What's the point in having all these faculties that we've got? And when something like this comes on, say like, yes, we've got something we can all be upset about. And, of course, the media is just dining out on this.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, why – think- this is why you see exactly what you do. No offense. It's just, I'm not lashing out at you or anything. But with the food review or the food kind of pictures, people are just doing that because they're tired of looking at bullshit on the media. It's that's what all it is. Whenever you turn on the TV, it's somebody complaining about something. We've back in the day, there was a really good show, Man versus Food. People overcoming challenges. You were rooting for the person, people doing the show hot ones, people doing, you know, Hell's Kitchen. They like seeing that person get yelled at, but then they see him get better. We have that thing inside of us that wants to see amazing things, but you know, with food reviewing that's why people are getting interested in it because they're just tired of seeing the same bullshit on the TV anymore. It's all Trump. It's all this. It's all political. It's all, everything's a freaking lashing out or shit talking. It's like, fuck that. I want to see a burger. And then you probably see it yourself. You put up a picture of an amazing food or something. Some dude comments, well, that's not vegan, bro. That's not keto, bro. It's like, oh my God, can you just enjoy the picture or move it along?
1: Dude, I am just waiting for the first person to say that, and I'm just going to go back because, I, I, I mean, this is the reason that we did bite size, um, and in the first place is because we, my mate and I in Singapore because we started off over there with my mate in Singapore. Well, plug your we're show just, first, plug your show. Uh, yeah, we so we do a we do um we, we we have a thing called the bite size review, um, and we're a, 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 at bite at the bite size review on on Instagram, and um, we just do short. Um, kind of funny, kind of irreverent little food reviews of restaurants and stuff, generally around London. I've done them in Singapore. and Hopefully, if this virus dies down, we'll do them in other countries as well. Um, and the idea was that we looked at food reviews online, and they were long, and they were boring, and there was lots and lots of B-roll, and they were taking ages to get to the point, and it was all very highbrow, you know, oh, the food is everything. And also when I look on Instagram, and not to put knocking down because there's some great photography and some great people on Instagram, but most people are just taking static photographs of food. And I take the view that if I go out to eat, I don't just go out because of the food, I go out to have a good, just like this podcast, I go out to have a good conversation with a friend and a good laugh and enjoy the place and enjoy the food. So we try and bring in the fact this is a great place, this is a great location, we're having a real laugh, we're taking the piss out of each other, and also the food's good too. So it's the whole experience, and I'll try to get it down into, uh,
0: I mean, the maximum of about two and a half minutes, because also people just haven't got time to sit through some great it's getting, long thing. Yeah, cranking it down to two and a half minutes—that's gotta be hard as hell, man. Well, what I
1: discovered, because um, I edit, I edit these myself. Um, I just cut all the bullshit out. I just, I, I literally—it's jump cut. You know, literally, one, one halfway through a sentence, I can jump from one to another, because for me, because I've got. A, without blowing my own trumpet i have a bit of comedy timing because i've always enjoyed writing comedy and and thinking in a comedic sort of way so i'll i build that you know when we've done the the show i'm thinking to myself okay i I know what what where the jokes were and i know where the laughs were and i put it all together so that it builds um you know pace and 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 so that you can have right also say something sensible about the food and then he's just going to say something completely off the wall and we did one um, this week when I was, we were talking, the girl was, we had a guest on there and she was talking about the mushrooms going, how good they were. And I said, yeah. And I said, and also mushrooms uh, can talk to trees and they are the internet, for trees, you know, that, and then just cut straight off to something else, you know, just throw it in there and it, it mixes it all up. And people are like, what the fuck did he just say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's then, like
0: doing a best <laughs> of moment. So I think that's, that's definitely what you got to do, especially if you're doing something like that. Like that's really what you have to do with anything with, um, popularity on social media. That's why a lot of podcasters and stuff, they'll just cut a full conversation and just find the best moments of it. I can do that with every single one of my podcasts, but I'm like that you miss out the fun. You miss out the buildup. You miss up the, all that stuff. Like what made restaurants so much fucking fun was the bullshit, you know, the atmosphere of it. But everyone's like, Oh, I only judge the food. I only do this. It's like, what about the whole love of the thing? What about the, like you go, when you're having a drink with your mates or you're having you know, like uh, some food with your family. Like that's the fun shit, you know, all the experiences, like remember that time, like recounting old stories, laughing over whatever. Like for me, a good restaurant experience or like maybe the best thing in my mind where I would typically call heaven, sitting at a fucking diner with like a stack of chocolate chip pancakes. Maybe my grandparents across from me when I was a little kid, we went to IHOP, you know, like don't get the chocolate chip pancakes, you know, you don't need all that. And I'm like, pfft. Triple stack it, bro! Like double chocolate chip pancakes. Someone, all that stuff. She's like, "You're gonna give yourself diabetes." And I'm like, "I don't give a shit. I'm 12. Let's do this thing." You know, like those were <laughs> amazing moments. I always remember those. And now that I'm older, I don't have those moments anymore because it's it's just not a thing anymore. You know, going out to eat's a little bit more difficult. But like going out on my birthday, I'm born on New Year's Eve, so you we went to dinner. Oh, so you was I. Yeah, Really.
1: Well, I've got a funny story about that. You you do yours, and I'll tell you.
0: Well, uh, yeah, about uh, my birthday. <laughs> I'm I'm curious now. You got to tell me.
1: Okay, so um, all my childhood, um, my birthday was on New Year's Eve, and one day I found my birth certificate, and it said December thirtieth, and I said another my other and she said, No, no, it's uh, it's uh, it, it was New Year's Eve. So anyway obviously it was fine until later in life it caused problems with things like driving licenses and and passports somehow I managed to get away with it and then I think I was 39 and and my wife was going crazy because the passport people were saying when you're saying one birthday and you're saying another make your mind up and I said to my mother I was 39 I said look just finally you said it was New Year's Eve which one was it she said I'm telling you it was nearly midnight I'm like well that's the day before so I've now had to change my birthday at the age of 39 to the 30 of December, um,
0: so, which is kind of not that difficult, but uh, it was kind of a weird sometimes. So I started off with one birthday, and now I have another. <laughs> There's a famous comedian. I forgot his name, but it was on an episode of uh, Ryan Sickler's podcast. But they were talking about he ended up finding out later that he was actually two years younger than what he originally thought because he was adopted. So he didn't – They nobody knew his birthday, so they just said a day, and he ended up finding out he was two years younger. So he was like, holy shit. So like I'm not 50, I'm actually 48. Like it's just like you got an extra two years of life in his head. And it's like, see, but that's better though, because you were just you, you were off by a day. Imagine being off by like 10 years or something. You're like, why do I have a beard? You know, you're at actually 10 years older. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But when I was saying about the restaurant, my libido thing, gone? what's going on? <laughs> with with the restaurant thing though, but um, my birthday being on New Year's Eve, that makes it a bitch to go out and eat. So you need to go out early in the day. Uh, so I remember we went to Outback. I don't know if you've ever heard of Outback Steakhouse. I think I have, yeah. Well, um, we went to go there, and, you know, it's packed. It's around, like, 7 o'clock at night. Uh, bars are filled up and everything. I'm probably, like, 17 years old, my grandparents are like, let's do this. And uh, I remember uh, we asked, like, can we get a table for three? And uh, the woman's like, it's a two-and-a-half-hour wait. I looked at my grandma and I was like, fuck that. I'll take a McDonald's cheeseburger or something. And uh, we ended up walking out, going to Applebee's and Applebee's is like, it's going to be about 30 minute wait. And then we're like, okay, that's fine. So we went to go sit down and they called us right up and we sat down and had dinner. But I remember my grandma was like, I'm never fucking taking you out on your birthday again. We're going to do it the day before or we're not doing it at all. And it makes sense, but it was that whole experience, that whole like trying to find a place for like an hour and a half. And then finally getting to a place then, like, still feeling like we had to wait. But Then once we sat down, like, you know, laughing over freaking uh, potato skins with bacon in them. Like, oh, my God, it was amazing. All those experiences just flooding back, enjoying, recounting with your family again. And it's, it's the same thing with a home meal. You know, a lot of people just go out now and they sit on their phone, take pictures of their food, and don't really get to enjoy every aspect of it. You know, it's definitely, you know, you can take a picture of it because the art of plating is a thing. And it is cool to, you know get a nice view of something it's a photography but at the same time it's like you're missing out on a lot of the experience which i think your videos really capture you know they show the best moments they show the camaraderie of going out to a restaurant
1: totally i mean i, I agree with what you say about podcasts i love i'm in mean, rogan and what you're doing and i'm sure there are other people doing i, I love this idea of, of having a whole conversation because like i like this year i've started running again because i am excited. i've got to get it myself hit um and um and I listen to podcasts. Or I listen to Rogan or something like that. And it's just this, this conversation going on in the background. And it's, and it's nice. And, it, and it, 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 there's no bullshit. There's no hiding. There's no editing. It is real. Um, and I would, you know I'd love to do that for, for a food review, but I, I don't think we we're quite at that stage yet with social. But what I try to do is just, you know, if I was running a restaurant, I want people to say they came to my restaurant. And they had a fucking good time. And they had a laugh and they really had a good time. In the and they enjoyed the food. And so I, I whenever I'm approaching a restaurant, I say, look, we're just going to try and point out that we had a great time in your restaurant um, because that, surely that's as, just as important as what they're cooking. I mean, people spend a lot of time decorating their places and, you know, they pick their location. It's not just about the food. And, and so uh, we try and convey that. But also, I also like the fact that I say to them, look, I'm not just going to sit here and be all scientific if I think of something funny to say this is my show and I'm just going to put it in there (laughs) because I think because I have a sort of an odd sense of humor and I like to sort of throw those kind of things in there. and I mean, people seem to be liking it. Um, I mean, it's where it's early days yet, but uh, and we don't get any well, money or anything. But it's, it's,
0: you know. it's just like for podcasting, too. Like, you'll find people that do movie podcasts, that do all these sports podcasts, that do whatever that are like 20 minute segments and stuff. I could just as easy make a really funny podcast with just random jokes and humor and whatever all into a 20 minute thing. It would be way easier on me. But I don't want to do that because I like the natural flow of conversation. I like you know, I'm a, I'm a gym goer. So when I'm listening to a podcast, a Joe Rogan podcast or something, I like something that's extremely long because I work out for the length of that podcast. You know, if something's like 30 minutes, I'm like, I can't just work out 30 minutes. Like I need something that's going to get me through my two hours or something. Like, come on. Like I I, want to crank something out, but I also want to hear, you know, get information in the background. Someone's like, you're tossing me out your thoughts, your opinions, your stories, your experiences. I'm doing the same with you, even though, you know, you obviously have more than me. It's just like, it doesn't matter. It's like a give and take here. We're both throwing out ideas and just bantering back and forth we don't we never even contacted each other before today like not even before 10 minutes or whenever almost an hour ago like it's, it, it's 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 so easy to have that conversation it's like when you pull up to a bar and now you'll see people just awkwardly ignore each other and try and not you know get the awkward like oh what's up man and then just not talk to them the whole time you know how uncomfortable it is it's like sitting in a massage or something and the woman's massaging you and you're not sparking up a chat When I go to my doctors and he's, whatever, checking me out and everything, I strike up conversation because it's awkward as hell just having him touch you and, like, give you all these vital signs, like, open up your mouth. I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, I got to stick the thermometer in there. I'm like, is that all? And he goes, what are you saying? And I like you're just looking at some dude cracking jokes all the time. He laughs and everything. It's you know, it, it's an experience because we're all living this life together. And, you know, it's sh- any moment or interaction with someone shouldn't be painful. Like we're all acting like it is like, I don't know how many times people, you know, they do self-checkout. I do self-checkout just because even a conversation with somebody, a lot of the times is just stress. It's just someone dumping themselves out onto you. It's like, let's just talk about the weather. Let's just talk about the birds.
1: It's funny because, I mean, I, I've been to the States a couple of times and I found, I don't know, whether it was, maybe it's because I've got an English accent or whatever, but American people find it very easy to talk to me and in, in bars and stuff. And, and I, I found that very refreshing, to be honest. And even in places like New York, which as America goes, is supposed to be quite unsocial. But even there, I found people you know, pretty pretty approachable in the UK if someone talks to you on an underground, like on the, on the underground train, it's like, it's like they've assaulted you. It's like, what's going on? And it's like that kind of personal space thing, you know, where where the sort of like the, the, the the sort of animal inside you suddenly wakes up. So you're you're too close to me. You're talking, you know, and, and yet you say, I, I don't know you from Adam. And yet we can just talk normally. And I suspect there's thousands of people out there that would be just as happy to do that. But, it's just not the done thing. And, and it's it's a shame because, you know, they think about all the great conversations and connections that get missed out because of this sort of idea that you're the, some sort of social pariah if you talk to a stranger. Uh, and I think podcasting is actually breaking down those barriers in a pretty positive way, which is great, you know. Because um, uh, I, I, you know, it's, I mean, it, it also comes from like, you know, when you're a kid and you, you don't want to talk to a girl because, you know, you just get too upset about it and something. I know people that have never had a, that problem at all. They would just walk into a bar, first girl they saw, they straight over there you know whatever and, and
0: and they were like great you know well we, so, we saw this on like xbox or playstation um you know, people talking shit on Xbox live saying like, Oh, your mom's this, your mom's that. It's like, Oh, you suck. You know, this type of stuff. And it it was, it was like, so conflicting. It's the same thing like that. Now with just talking to people in general, someone tosses out something that you like before it was like, what is the two things you never talked about at a dinner table was religion and politics. Now it's like, everybody's telling you they're, Oh, I'm a Democrat. My name's Jerry. It's like, did you just introduce yourself as a Democrat and then say your name? Like now people are doing the same thing with the vegan and the keto and all this. Oh, I'm vegan. Oh, I'm keto on this. And it's like, who gives a shit? Really? Like I've, I don't know. I, I, I get upset by the people that are like vegan lifestyle, vegan, this vegan life, vegan, all that. I don't have anything against veganism, but just fucking do it. Don't need to promote it everywhere. Don't need to force people to your views and hate on other people. It's like some people like good food. Some people like, and that's saying all vegan food is bad food. It's just, but some people like a burger. Some people like all that type of stuff. I don't really eat that stuff, but I'm pretty sure you probably come across an amazing meal. It's probably most likely not vegan.
1: Yeah, I mean, the problem is that there's social currency in it, isn't there? It's like, oh, look at me. I mean, there's the, the running joke. You know, how do you know someone's a vegan? Well, they'll tell you, and <laughs> uh,
0: and,
1: and and they will, and 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 and. and as I say, I've got nothing against vegans. as you say, go for your life. I've got, and this is the thing about people, you know, if you get the wrong pronouns for people's sexuality and stuff, I'm like, I don't care, do what you like, do anything to anything, as long as you're not hurting anybody, I don't care. Dress how you like, cut your organs off, whatever it is that, that gets you through the night, I don't care. Uh, I'm not gonna judge you, but I'm also not gonna basically change my lifestyle to, around that so that I've got to basically tiptoe on eggshells every time you're in the fucking room. If you've If you've made that choice, that's your choice um but i you know it's not like i'm going around going well i'm a heterosexual you know and you better fucking respect that i am mean, like it, it what i do uh, you know in that way has nothing to do with anyway i don't I'm not going to bug you. i don't wear a badge saying that's what i do it's like if i'm eating a burger you know i don't have to say sorry to vegans because i eat a burger any more than a vegan has to give me shit if i do it they eat that i eat this who cares you know live and let live um yeah Sorry, ran over.
0: (laughs) It's it's the same thing like you were talking about before with the conflict thing. We need conflict in our everyday life. That's why reality television was so popular. I've said that over and over again. It's just because when you don't have it in your everyday life, you look to be outraged. You look for something. You look for this. It's what happens when food becomes so damn accessible and you don't have to do anything anymore, when you become lazy, when you become so comfortable that everything's super, super easy or you're just used to it, you look for that difference and you try and find that difference at a bar. It's why when you get drunk, you, you know, you'll know you fight somebody. You'll, you'll get on edge. You're completely different. You're open. It's because now people are looking for conflict and it's like we can easily change that if we just start instead of trying to spark up an argument let's spark up a conversation you're going to get a way better feeling from it you're going to feel way better and you're probably not going to w- wake up with a black eye
1: yeah it's true and a conversation is so much less polarized i mean society is becoming ridiculously polarized at the moment you are either at this or you're at that um, i mean obviously in america you've got two-party politics it seems in the uk now that we're pretty much moving really into a two-party politics situation because the the other ones just don't seem to be able to do anything. Um, and you know, I'm not a this or a that. Life is a grey area. That's the whole point of it. You know, um, you know. Imagine if people who were like trying to, um, you know, develop the vi the 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 um, vaccine for coronavirus thought that way. They would never get anywhere. Science is about exploring all the different possibilities, and and that's how we have the technology, and that's how we have the medicine. This idea that you know the kids are being fed this bullshit where they have to just write be a this or be a that you know if you if you you don't call out someone on this then you then you're with them it's like when did this happen I mean I really fear I mean I've got three kids and I really fear for the world they're going into and I always say to them you know just take a situation on its merits and don't be too judgmental don't jump on a bandwagon because it's socially acceptable always you know I mean this whole OK boomer thing drives me crazy I'm like it's all very well to point the finger at people about you know the environment and stuff but you know, in the 1980s, we weren't thinking about those things. In the 1970s, we weren't thinking about those. You, you can't just we had,
0: we had bigger things at hand. We were dealing with war and all this stuff like this. When, you it, know, I, these
1: I'm are not, the people that gave us the 60s. These are the people that gave us the sexual revolution. These are the people that gave us the pill and the, and, and, and the rock and roll. You know, they took us out of that stale, plastic sort of 1950s culture. And they made people free thinking and, and all this stuff. And now they're getting blamed for destroying the world. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. It's a different generation. It's a different time.
0: Well, that's why food reviewing and all that type of stuff is becoming popular because we're all trying just to avoid our attention onto something else. You know, it's, 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 it's literally, this has been the fastest growing trending thing ever only because it's, captured social media in such a unique way with photography such as at the beginning it was sunset sunrises all those amazing things now this is just different places and location it's literally like giving information out there literally like food critics anybody could be a food reviewer or food critic now you know but like the way you do yours differently and the way you know styles you've, you've gone across so much this has probably sparked your inspiration a whole lot because you probably traveled to all these different places first of all and it got to experience so many different things. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I and mean, I'm not a natural traveller.
1: Um, I mean, really, it was about my, my, my um, to her credit, actually, my ex-wife was the one that got me into travelling around. And I don't, I don't, I, I was saying in a blog the other day, I don't, I don't care about holidays. I sort of, I, I realize I'm going on holiday. I'm like, oh great, let's just do it. I don't like planning or anything. But when you go to another culture, it does make you think. Even if it makes you uncomfortable or something, it does make you think, and 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 it, and it does broaden your horizons a lot. Um, you it's, know, the reason, I mean, it's the reason. It's the reason
0: I want to travel, man. I'm telling you, I I've You're talked, I've talked to so many people. Like, um, there's a baker. He owns the Bagel ma- uh, Bagel Master in New York. And um, you know, I was talking to Vadim on a podcast, and literally, he's like created a food for me, like a bagel idea I had. I'm like, I want to go experience that. Like, shit, I want to go and travel. I've talked to so many people from around the world and everything. I'm like, I would love to just go and literally check out everybody's thing because I'm pro people. I'm a pro supporter. That's why I wanted you to plug your thing. That's why I wanted all that stuff because I I like to see people, you know, get something. I like to, even if it's just a a conversation that we're having, I benefit so much from that. And you do too. You know, it's a positive stimulus you get from it. You know, like I I think a lot of people, like they want to, be angry but i feel like it's just because that's the response that's the easiest to get rather than try and build up that conversation or that aspect to really get that positive stimulus but the positive stimulus it's harder to get because it's worth so much more
1: yeah it's also it's easy to be angry because um you know that you've already got a group of people that will back you up you know you how how can i make my i'm nobody how can i make myself popular um, oh I know I'll just I'll just get on the bandwagon with that and then shout out something at somebody I mean I hear, I hear these stories about I mean I'm sure they're like one-off so stuff they were talking about Rogan about these professors getting kicked out of the universities because they wave their arms around and and it's and it's aggressive because they're just gesticulating and I think oh my god what is the world coming to you know and there is this need people seem to have um, as you say I don't know if it's necessarily a need for aggression but it's, it, it's, just, it's it's entitlement. It's also something that it, you know it makes you feel alive. It's like going on a roller coaster. It scares the shit out of you. Well, I feel alive. And it's the same thing about fear. It's. It, it, I think you know it's kind of like a drug when you get cross and you get angry. I mean, remember those times when you like hit your foot or something, and you just get a, a stick and you bang it on the floor and you shout, and then you feel better. It's it's like there is actually kind of a serotonin hit that comes from rage and outrage. Um, and, I, and I and I but I think that traveling would be really good for you because i mean it scares the crap out of me when i hear about how few people in america have got passports um and i I don't even have a
0: passport bro
1: yeah but but it's easier to easier to get one and 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 you will benefit so much i mean i when i went to university i didn't know many americans then and i i met a bunch of guys that came over to to do a year at i was at Glasgow university in scotland and they were some of the nicest guys i i i ever met and i'm still friends with them and um but to them, it was great. We, I, they were opening my eyes to their culture. I got into all these bands like the Pixies and they might be giants, So I'd never even heard of, which was great. But for me, I was showing them around my country and they were like laughing their heads off at the names of some of the things in the shops because it was kind of like a swear word in America. Because, it, you know, we did. And and it was great. And they went home so much better for it. And I was so much better for the fact that I would met them. And, and I understood American culture so much better than just what I saw on television, you know,
0: which was and, Just like our conversation that I do with this podcast, we all have something to offer each other. We all have something that is there, information. We all have this type of thing that, you know, sparking an interest. I might toss out a band. I might toss out, you know, food. You might toss out a food. You might toss out, like, all these types of things that we can take and we can enhance our own life by understanding more and more and more. People look at books as the only source of information, but, you know, I can't read books. Much like yourself, you said you can't really read a book. Uh, conversation is the easiest book for me because you're basically telling me a biography or your thoughts or your opinions and your views on things where I get to look and and keep it in my mind, listen to that perspective. You're seeing the world through somebody else's eyes. Practically, you're hearing the the whole tale. That's information that enhances your own life. Like I've, like I've said before, people saying, give me the credit, like you're wise above your years. I can get very deep but that's in no benefit of my own because I pulled everything out of from when I first started podcasting, and all the people I've had on, they're all different people from all over, and I've heard so much experiences and life stories, and it has become a lot, and it does it cause a little bit of stress, um, mostly because you know so much more. That's why they say like dumb people are like the most ignorant to life, or whatever. They're just happy all the time. That's I true. Love them. I envy yeah. them. <laughs> no,
1: it, it, it's, it is true. And you get so much. Well, I mean, kind of as I was saying before, the way that I'm open about myself and the fact that I like to to, to bounce my own fears and things off other people, because why is my opinion about myself always the right one? And you know, I listen to other people. And it's the same thing in a way. I mean, you know, when you listen to, like, let's say that you'll listen to what I'm saying and you may walk away thinking, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Or maybe that's relevant to me and, and I hadn't seen it from that perspective. And I'll probably take the same thing away as well and it is because we are you know we're pack animals we're supposed to do this kind of stuff um it's only um technology and politics and things which is pushing us into these silos well, naturally speaking you know it, we 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 are people that this is what, even what you know tribal people do today at the, at the end of the day they sit down they have a conversation they chew the fat you know and, and that's how and that's where the stories come from and that's where the culture comes from and it, and and it's comforting it's it, it also it's un. You know, like a, a conversation like this is great, It's particularly talking to someone um, in America at a time like this when, you know, tensions are very high politically and all sorts of other things. I can unburden myself by talking to an American and hear what you have to say about what I think. You might just say, fuck, what the fuck do you know? You're in England. None of this stuff, but, you know, the, but actually it turns out we there's a lot of synergy there. Uh, you it it is the most a good information
0: way. to offer because of that accent. Like you're saying, it's just calming. I want to drink like a tea or I want to calm down and relax. Like you could soothe me to sleep, man. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. I, feel, I, well, I think the same with American accents. So when, I, when I watch American stand-ups, it's almost like you've got just such great phrases for everything. You're saying stuff which to you is just like normal, and, and it just has me in stitches, you know, <laughs> just because you know, there's so many great phrases and stuff, and, and that's great.
0: Well, we, you know, talk, I, about, I love the, we talk about um, plagiarism, but I want to bring up this comedy thing real quick. What do you think about, like, we're talking about people being offended and being attacked. Have you noticed that every single comedy special now, they're just self-deprecating jokes? Like they're just people that are really like, Oh, well I couldn't get it up last night or I couldn't do that. They're just making fun of themselves. And I think it's because of how reactive people are to, if you crack a joke on a certain person, if you crack a joke on a certain thing, that is kind of true, but it's just meant to be comedy. People take it too far and feel like they're offended. So now the comedian can only make fun of themselves. And like, it, it's the only thing that's what they call safe comedy now. Like I think Dave Chappelle's special sticks and stones was attack on everything. Hate calls he literally called the audience dumb because we're being offended just to be offended. We're not even enjoying a comedy show anymore. You're paying for a ticket, but you're just waiting for something to get up and spark a cry. You're trying to get your minute of fame. It's like, it ruins it. I don't want to sit there and hear a comedian make fun of himself the whole time. Make fun of me. I don't care. Just do something to get off the, like the whole thing of this, safety everyone looks like they're walking around with like two broken arms
1: it's interesting i mean obviously british humor and american humor differ in the way that we we tend to be very self-deprecating that's not because we're trying to avoid um we'll take the piss out of anybody just like anyone else but we 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 tend to start off as as the loser that's kind of how the british comedian tends to be positioned american uh comedians tend to be like the wisecracking sort of guy but but i totally take your point i mean when i was at when i was at university one of the American guys had a Sam Kinison tape and we played that thing till it broke. It was just I, I used to wet myself laughing. I mean, he was really outrageous. What's Somebody your favorite to joke to? by Sam Kinison? I'm gonna get myself into trouble here, aren't I? Um uh, the one, well, it's the one that Joe always talks about. the the The, the one with the, you know, why, why don't you live where the food
0: is? <laughs> oh yeah, the Africa one where he's talking about like, like you see what's with, here? It's fucking it's sand. Hard, you, you know, know and, it's gonna grow here ten ten years from now. Fucking sand. Get your shit and let's go. I love that. And they've got the little
1: kid in the pit, and he's waving the Babe Ruth bar at him. <laughs> you not, you can have it in a minute. Just look ill or whatever it is. And um, I mean, some of the stuff he did, um, just I because it it's jokes. You know, it's 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 social commentary. You know, uh, it's like Bill Hicks. I used to love Bill Hicks and you know, these guys. And I mean, credit to Chappelle, he's still pushing it. You know, because he doesn't give a fuck. And and and, and you need people like that. I mean, in the UK, we have people like Billy Connolly, who's very famous um, uh, British comedian. He's not very well now, sadly. But he said, you know, when they when they were saying you can't take the piss out of religion anymore, and he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? His whole act was taking the piss out of religion because um you know religion is a choice um I, i'm not saying that you have to put people down or anything but it's like it, 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 it's kind of ridiculous if, 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 if you know i mean the catholic church is ripe for taking the facade right now the things that they're getting away with um, and, and with the kids
0: and stuff i mean it's terrible though they should be they should be taken down dude i've said you know? this for so long and i said this actually to a rabbi who told me that i was wrong and then later, like three weeks after we recorded the podcast, uh, it was the first time ever that the, ca- uh, God, what is it called? The, um, what is the main, I can't believe I'm blanking on this right now. What is the one where the Pope is? The Vatican. The Vatican. Yeah, the Vatican got three priests got arrested at the Vatican three weeks after I was telling him this. And I was saying that there are two things the government has always been afraid of, and that's people and that is religion. They never really touch religion. And, you know, that's like off-ground territory because religion's older and it's more powerful than the government is. But they've been easily separating people for so long. When people get together is when the government gets scared. You know, Lin- Lincoln said it best: like a house divided cannot stand. So you have a bunch of people attacking the government and starting to realize, like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why are we over there? That doesn't make any sense then the government just does something like oh there's this media outbreak oh there's this oh there's this happening and then they totally distract us and we're gone um religion which is too powerful they would never touch and then after i said that to him he goes really and i'm like yeah we're starting to see like churches being torn down and stuff he goes i don't think that's true then three weeks later priests got arrested at the vatican the vatican's considered its own country like there are things going on in religion i'm not saying that religion's wrong and that's not the truth. I'm saying be open-minded, be understand that people are also involved in that and people are known to do some shady shit. It's the same thing with the government. People look at it and go, the government's corrupt, the government's this, the government is corrupt. But it's not the government red, red white and blue. It is true, but it's the fact is we have people in there that are corrupt. We have people that lost the thing to care about each other. Back in the days of Wall Street when people were stepping on each other's throats to get ahead. We have that mentality. We have this thing of if you have a business, I have to destroy your business to get mine up on the higher ladder. Let's just work together to support everybody, and then everybody wins. I know that's a pain in the ass, and it's a long way to get there, and it's a hell of a lot more tasking, but it's so much more beneficial for us. Yes, completely. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know.
1: Knocking religion as as a thing because I think that you know I was brought up as a Catholic I didn't particularly enjoy it and I didn't thankfully suffer any of those particular things but my mother was a Catholic all her friends were and they were lovely people and they they had deep faith and they were they were you know and they found it comforting and they had a community bit it and that's fine same for like 99.9% of people in whatever religion they're in it's you know it's fine it's fantastic but the problem is is that <clears throat> absolute power corrupts absolutely when you have people like the Vatican, who have this amount of power, if you're talking about people that seem to be able to get away with the fact that there's a paedophile in a church, and all they do is move them to a different parish, as opposed to, I mean, that's a capital crime. um And oh, we'll just move him to another church and you know, pretend it never happened. The guy is a paedophile. He's going to do it again there. um You know, and and the Pope's like, oh, we perhaps we ought to do something. Perhaps you ought to do something. You are these people are criminals. You want what you want to do is drag them into court and put them in prison for their behaviour. But because it's the church they're, they're, they're sort of mealy-mouthed about it and everyone's kind of oh well you know it's the pope it's okay it's not okay it really is not okay and you know and 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 then these people you know will, will make other catholics who are perfectly nice good people will, will look bad because of this shit you know it's, something has to be done it's the same with with islam i mean you know most people involved is in Islam absolutely lovely
0: people fine and then there's these you fucking assholes are ruining it for the, for everybody else. You know. That's, well, and, that's the same thing. It's like pooping in a public pool or something. Then everybody's like looking around, like who did it? who did it? Everyone's getting blamed and getting terrorized. Then you you hate public pools for the rest of your life. It's because there are some people that ruin it for everybody by displaying a bad thing of credit, such as like me cracking jokes in the middle of class and getting the whole classroom in trouble towards recess, you know, that whole, th- or you lose recess or something. It's like that happens because sometimes you get people that do something wrong like that, such as with the priests in the Catholic church, everything, you it know, ruins the whole religion for everybody. Next thing you know, people are, but they've been doing this stuff for so long and also it goes the opposite too. Like they've gotten away for it for so long because it is religion. It is priests, you know, Oh, it's father McGirt. We don't talk about that. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, there are people having a sense of title, whether you're a corporal, whether you're a president, whether you're whatever. That doesn't give you the right to still not abide by these things that we call human rights and laws. Yeah. I mean, if it was a teacher, you wouldn't even think twice um but that works in reverse too a guy teacher could mess with a girl and it's a big problem but a girl teacher messing with a guy it's not really a problem at least in the parents eyes like the dad's like fuck yeah man you hooked up with a 32 year old girl that's badass (laughs) every time i
1: see one of those stories i try to look i try to be offended and i'm like you lucky little bastard
0: (laughs) well it's like Um, at my own school we had a teacher that was texting some underage girls and trying to hook up with them he got arrested and like it was a big thing down here and this was just like three or four years ago. And, uh, you know, that guy's walking around town and he's shamed for the rest of his life like that for messing around. But I'm like, I, I look at it. I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a proper act of what happened. But at the same time, it's like, if it was reversed, the person, the woman teacher wouldn't have gotten that much trouble. It's just the way we think as a society.
1: Mm, totally. I mean, I, I, there were guys when I was at university, who I think had hooked up with some of the lecturers and, and, and they were, they were just, you know, Um, You know, and that was, you know, that was, that was how it was. I mean, um, I, I, I mean, I, I don't think that, you know, I think that really in this day and age, you know, that sort of relationship shouldn't, shouldn't happen regardless of gender. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, and of course, you know, you have guys like Weinstein and stuff who who basically just, just as you started to get to a point where guys are being acceptable again, he comes out and does what he does. And we all suddenly we're all criminals again. Um, it, it, I don't know. It 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 is difficult because you know I'm I'm all for like you know feminism and empowering women. I just want everyone to have equal rights in everything. And, and I and it's a shame that that there are still people that are like, well, you know, it's it's a, it's this misogynist hierarchy. So all men have got this in them,
0: and you we know, most none of my friends are like that. <laughs> I have the simplest code in life, and it's from the Big Lebowski. It's I just let people do a thing. I just abide, man. I just do what I want to do. I want to literally be like, I'm not, I don't care. Whatever you're interested in, whatever I treat you as a person. That's all that really matters. But you made me think though, about like the teachers and everything. I, what I would give to bang my seventh grade social studies teacher. <laughs> Holy shit. He, she, I would have been, I wouldn't have sued. I wouldn't have done anything. I would have been, I would have been fighting for her trying to get her out of court or whatever, man. I'm telling you something. Holy shit, (laughs) Miss Matty.
1: It's also kind of, I find it kind of laughable the way that they pick on certain people that are obviously these weirdos. And yet everyone seems to have forgotten that Bill Wyman was shagging a 13-year-old when he was in the the Rolling Stones. Jerry Lee Lewis was shagging his 12-year-old cousin or whatever it was. And oh, but they're rock stars. That's fine.
0: Freaking Mick Jagger's uh, married to, a, like, a 26-year-old, and you're just like, yeah, that dude's dope, you know, that's awesome. It's like, what? Does does fame let you get away with so much of this stuff? Like, I I don't understand. Like, I guess your popularity, your title, whatever people look up to you and adore you, you know, they, they just overlook a bunch of things. But no one overlooked Bill Cosby's actions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Maybe because that well, was a secret.
1: Well, I mean the- – <laughs> You know, I'm not going to defend what Bill Cosby's done. I mean, it's terrible. Um, uh, but it, you know, it should be one rule for all. You know, you, you, some people that it just gets overlooked, and you know, it is what it is. I mean, um, I, and I and I find it strange that society. It's the same with the Catholic Church we can just kind of overlook that oh, because they're, because they're priests mostly they're good it's just this one thing um <laughs> yeah right it's quite a big thing actually that's a
0: big one uh, that's like that's a <laughs> cross out the whole front page but you know that's why millennials now like i think uh religion is at an all-time low in the amount of people that believe mostly people are don't have a religion or just don't believe in anything especially with the millennials coming up only because they don't know what they weren't raised upon that the older values back in the day where you went to church on sunday you did all these types of things things there are some people in today's like you know society that do do that but a lot of people choose to you know pray at home pray and do you know take religion into their own hands because it's just been i guess balled down and turned into this corrupt thing where you have to follow certain guidelines it's like a cult type thing it's like what's happening you know i have questions you can't just kick me out because i'm asking a bunch of questions and you think that's scaring people and it's like reason why nobody chooses to believe anything anymore because it's not the values of the kids anymore. It's not the values of the parents to teach their kids all about religion and worship God and all this stuff. It's like, no, try and find out what the fuck Fortnite is. What is this? Like they're trying to adapt you to new situations now.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm all for um I mean, you know, I I was brought up as a catholic, but I'm about as lapsed as you can get now. Um I and I I have my own thoughts about the universe, whether there's some order to it. I don't think there's some guy with a beard up there, that's for sure. Um, and I and I think people should take it into their own house and their own lives. You know, and some religions are like that because you know if you are an insecure person and you and and you and you need to be part of something and you need to sort of be on the team, uh, you are you are ripe for manipulation. Um, and and I feel that you know when I was a kid, I mean, you know, one of the things that came from being a Catholic was they make you feel guilty about every goddamn thing you do. Everything, every time you do anything, it's a fucking sin. And I have, even though I've left Catholicism way behind me, I have this natural guilt about everything I do. Everything's my fault in my head, and it came from that. And it's poison. That is absolute poison. I don't want my children thinking that way. I've kept them well away from religion. I don't want them going around, you know, beating themselves up, thinking that things are their fault because of some fucking book. And you know, they can make their own mind up. If they want to, if they want to become religious, I'm not going to stop them. You know, same way they want to be anything else. But
0: yeah, but it's it like I'll even mention it, that the whole fact is the amount of information that's accessible to kids now. You're seeing anxiety and depression pop up at six, four. Like I mean, if you own a tablet, you're basically, you know, your kid's going to come across something. You can sit there and hold it for them. And be like, this is Minecraft. Stay on Minecraft. Next thing you know, they're on the Internet. They get a notification, coronavirus. Next thing you know, that pops up into the kid's head. What the hell is that? Next thing you know, they're at school worrying about it. Next thing you know, it's drama, drama, drama. They're experiencing depression disorders and stuff. It's it's gone the complete wrong way. I try and stay off my phone when it comes to maybe just Instagram or something, just for the podcast. But everything else, like leave it in my pocket, leave it in my car when I go out in the world. I want to experience the world again, and you don't want to get nostalgia off your fucking phone.
1: Yeah, I I I really I really believe that too. I mean, I I, I'm because I'm sort of doing this through the phone. I'm on the phone too much, but um, absolutely. I mean, I I'm looking forward to the point where the kids who are like the cool kids are going to be the ones that are going offline. You know, like if, you, like if you're not online, you're like the kids who used to smoke in the bike sheds when, you, you know, they were the cool kids, because there's going to come a point where, you know, that allure of, oh, my God, he doesn't, there was a hilarious thing on Facebook a year or two ago where they, this woman tries to hook up with a guy and then he doesn't have any social media presence. And she's like, how does he eat a meal without photographing it? Um, and then she, couldn't, she couldn't find out anything about him. And I think that's great. You know, it brings back the mystery. And I, and I, and I think people shouldn't be so reliable. And also, you know, like when you go to a concert and everyone's fucking filming it on their phone i'm like oh Jesus Christ! i can't even see the band because someone's got an ipad up in front of me
0: it's like yeah, um, you're, when are you going to watch that video dude like just look at the fucking person
1: <laughs> Yeah, you're never going to watch that and i'll take one photograph if i get a nice shot of the band and I'll, yeah, okay there you go i'm looking I'm at a concert and then i'll just watch it i was at one last night and i did that um and uh and it is sad i mean you know that people are becoming so depressed. and i do worry that um I mean millennials um and well younger than millennials, Gen X and Gen Z or whatever the hell they are, not Gen X, Gen Z and that lot, is you know, that that we talk about them being open, but I always used to say that the internet is the whole crux of their soul. It's like this part of them is in the internet now. They're so frightened to do anything naughty or bad. We're not I mean, I used to know a bunch of millennials and when I'd go out and get drunk and I'd roll in the office hungover, and they like they would be frowning at me and like saying all I'm like, your kids, why 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 are you saying this to me when I was a when
0: I was a kid, it was parents that were saying this to me. Your biggest, um, your biggest complaint as a kid should be, "What cereal am I going to have this morning, and what food am I going to have for dinner?" You know, for me, my childhood snack and my biggest problem of trying to get it was uh, ham and ch- or no, not ham. It was uh, two slices of bread with uh, cheese on each slice uh, with pepperoni on top, microwaved for about fifteen seconds. That's just the best thing in the world. <laughs> that's
1: a good thing. Yeah, and that's your priorities. I mean, when I was a kid, it was. I grew up in a forest, so I was climbing trees and throwing knives, and you know, shooting stuff and all those kind of things, and 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 just kind of and, and going out and enjoying myself and having that freedom, you know, which of course kids don't have now because, according to the papers, every third adult's a pedophile, so no kids can now go out on their own anymore.
0: Um,
1: but How do you know, you judge
0: it, every third adult's a pedophile.
1: I know, right? But it's kind of almost. I here's a story. A friend of mine was. Um, he was driving along and the car in front of him stopped. And it was, I think they were parking by a park or something. And the guy got out from the front, went over to talk to his friends. And and in the meantime, the back door opened, this little kid who got the door open had walked out into the middle of the road. So my friend immediately dives out of his car, runs over, grabs this kid, and he's in the process of putting him back into the car. When this guy comes along, he has to spend about five minutes explaining to him that he's not a pedophile. (laughs) He's just saving your son's life because you didn't properly lock the car. Um, it's it's almost like it's now the default position. Anyone goes near my children, they're probably a pedophile.
0: You know, guilty until proven innocent, and it comes from the media. Um, it's and the I same think the hitchhikers are illegal too. Did you know that down here? In the, in are my, they really in my state? They're illegal. I tried to hitchhike because um, my car broke down and I was walking. A state trooper just passed me, didn't pick me up. This is at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, I get it, but like I've seen people walk home and I'll be like, hey, I see you at food line. Why don't you just hop in? I'll take you home. They look at you like, are you going to kill me? It's like, no, there's no way we're both going to be psycho killers, right? Like it's- it- <laughs> it's like there it's there's this thing about like you i'm iffy i've heard too many stories i've heard too many things like no i'm trying to be a nice guy it's fucking raining out let me take you home and i've you know i've taken them home and i still see them today Like thank you so much it was awesome and um Like I've walked home and nobody's helped me. I've sat their thumb up. I'm not a creepy looking guy. I'm a young kid. You know, I'm wearing a hoodie or something with my, like, just like, please, anybody, you know, I'm I'm literally a mile away. If someone can just help me out, I've walked so long. You know, I'm still going to reach out. People just pass. Nobody cares. Everybody's got their own little thing in their head. Everybody's got this own little journey and nobody cares about anybody else. It's true. It's
1: true. And, and and all this sort of deep suspicion that's being bred into us. Um, you know, I, we're ending up like you know, Eastern Europe in the sort of the nineteen sixties where every you know, every tenth person's a spy or something. This sort of idea, everyone thinks everyone thinks the worst about everything because as I say, because this is the thing that makes life exciting. If you think the best about everything, life's kind of dull. Um, but of course, that's it, but also infinitely better. <laughs> um But we do have this this, this strange this strange idea that uh, that everybody everybody's. But I mean, when I was a kid, I mean, I had I had so much freedom to do whatever I wanted, and you know, and, and if someone stopped and asked me directions, I would just you know be polite. I mean, would be a bit wary of strangers, obviously, but you know.
0: If you had Snickers, but, I was getting in the van. I'm sorry, that's just happening. Yeah, I mean, and and totally, and and well, (laughs) that's the price you pay for for chocolate. I'm sorry.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's it's a fair trade. No, I mean, but but, that's the thing. It's 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 you know, there are no more bad people now than there were then, but the world seems to think that that there are because that you know, culture's taken it that way. I mean, it, it makes me laugh. You know, I was I said I put it in this blog the other day. I was having a right go at the cancel culture that people there was this I don't know if you saw there was a there was a reward ceremony in America or the UK or somewhere and the and the and the young rapper started flirting with the girl when he was getting his award and next thing it turns into a riot and everyone's having a go at this guy. But he's just a young guy, you know. He's just, he's just he's just he's just he's just he's just shooting his mouth off. He's a 22-year-old rapper. He's, he's, he's you know he's, he's just having a good time. He doesn't he's, she, didn't, she didn't she wasn't worried about it. It's yeah. it's that ego, man.
0: It's it's that amazing ego of back in the day when we had those cigarettes or not cigarettes. It was the candy chalk that looked like cigarettes. You would put them I don't yeah, know if yeah. you had those, but you would put yeah, one yeah. in your mouth and act like you're smoking a cigarette like an adult. Dude, if that happened now, you know how many people would be taking pictures that would be all over the news. These kids are kind of Look at today's youth gonna turn into smokers. It's like back in the day, people would just walk past you, and not even say a word They're like, "Oh, you're just being a kid." Like we didn't even yeah. know what it meant.
1: Well, I mean, that's what kids do. We ape adults. I mean, that, that, who else are our role models? Well, of course, these kids now, they just tell adults that they're all wrong because they all know better than us, apparently. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I do I do think that this that the, the, the funniest thing about these people is that they'll oh, have a go at you and they'll call you out and things which used to just be normal human behavior and now unacceptable. And then they'll go home and they'll fucking put their Xbox on and they'll play some game like Grand Theft Auto where they can shoot a hooker in the head and put her in the trunk of the car. And that's fine because it's just a game. So is this what's happening now is that instead of like living our real lives and our real fancies, we just live them through through computer games and then we go out into the real world with just these fucking drones that don't say anything that we feel. Um, oh. it's, it's,
0: maybe that's the, word, maybe that's the it's, future. It's autopilot, play. man. It's going to end up being like Wally, where everybody's sitting on a floating bed. You know, if you don't have to move, why do it, right?
1: I think that that film is so far ahead of its time. Every time I see that scene with those guys and the bones don't even touch. <laughs> That's, that, that's what's going to happen. We're just going to turn into these, you know, and just, it's like Joe Rogan's always saying, you know, we're going to have devices inside us and we're going to turn into cyborgs. And, you know, and so that's what, that's the future. Right? I always it's, talk we? about
0: it with the gene chip. Cause they're talking about putting a chip into the back of your head where you have like the internet on your brain. And I said, I see the benefit in that, like so many amazing things, such as like getting Google translate, being able to understand languages and all this information on your brain, being able to look up articles and information, being able to have it at your fingertips. But then I know people and I know that there's going to be people out there that are going to be sitting in the middle of class when they're supposed to be paying attention. They're going to be looking up the whole Internet of porn onto their brain, like just sitting there like, oh, look at this. I'm supposed to be reading about Edgar Allan Poe, but now I'm watching porn. It's like, okay, all right, we've, we've, I, I know how people are. We take the best thing that could help out our society in a beneficial way. and We like to run the complete opposite way with it. It's like someone gives you a stick, a bunch of sticks to build a fort. And you're like, I'm just going to start throwing it against the wall. It's like, what what, what the hell?
1: Well, also I just, I just have this vision that you'd be having like a beautiful dream. And then suddenly there's a fucking commercial break in the middle of it. <laughs>
0: Dude, if they could do that to your dreams, that would suck. Just start implant. Maybe that's what Coke does, because every time somebody wakes up, they're like, "Ah, I haven't seen a Coke advertisement on TV in a while, but I keep dreaming about it." Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's a, it's the same as that thing, you know. When you
1: you you're sitting having a conversation, and suddenly what you're talking about pops up on Facebook. I mean, and they had to admit it in the end, didn't they? Um, and and it's only the next step. I mean, if if you had the internet in your head, the internet is full of complete, I mean, subliminal or blatant advertising, and that would be inside your head. You would, I mean, people would own you. Um, because you wouldn't know whether you thought it or whether someone told you it. <laughs>
0: well,
1: been, someone's got to stop
0: advertising honey smacks into my head because that's all I keep thinking about and keep dreaming about. It's, <laughs> getting, it's, getting, it's getting bad, man. It's getting bad. I had to create my own cereal to go rival Kellogg's because they denied my sponsorship for their, for the, my podcast. They're like, I love your work, but sorry, at this time we can't accept the sponsor uh, for your podcast. I was like, well, you know what? I'm going against you now. I'm creating a cereal. <laughs>
1: absolutely so you're not
0: on the uh, on the uh the carnivorous diet or the keto diet or i worry I'm on, about whatever that. looks good is good and i'm gonna eat it like i was looking through your instagram on the bite size review and everything and i'm like this is a bunch of amazing mouth pleasure foods like all right if i had to ask you what is your death row meal like what's one if you were gonna get put sentenced to death what would be the things you would ask for as your last meal
1: Oh, God, that's a good one.
0: Um,
1: Well, my favorite meal, if it's done properly, is something like a big roast dinner, like a sort of roast lamb or something like that, cooked with its pink, uh, with all the vegetables and everything. And then my favorite pudding in the world, I don't know if you have it in the States, is something called bread and butter pudding.
0: Oh, yeah, we do. which
1: Which is just like bread with custard and vanilla and great things in it. Um, and I would have that and I'd probably, if I was going to be going to like the electric chair, I'd probably have like about three bottles of scotch. So I didn't give a shit. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, I, that's what I, I mean, I, I love, um, I would make, you know, we went and did a vegan review recently and actually the food was really good. I was so impressed with it. Um, but I find it
0: so hard to be a vegetarian
1: because I just love meat. I love the texture of it. And I love um, eggs, man. I
0: can't, I, eggs, love, yeah, yeah. I love my eggs and I'm going to ask you this question because I've asked everybody on the podcast so far about this question. Do you, what do you do? do you like ketchup on your eggs? Do I
1: like ketchup on my eggs? Yes. I uh, if I'm having something like scrambled eggs on toast I probably have ketchup with that and if I'm oh, having a fried breakfast God. with, with um, if I well I I have it on the side if like if I'm having a fried breakfast um, I'll have ketchup with the sausages and the bacon and the egg will inve- very very get involved but I would normally the way I tend to eat eggs these days I learned this in Singapore is I, I I soft boil them and then I and then I put them all into a bowl and then you put soy sauce with it and then you have that and then because the, the salt and the egg goes really well yeah, that's the same plant. thing
0: with uh, peanut butter. If you take peanut butter and I make egg whites turn to a little omelet and I put it in a bowl and mix it together, dude, I'm telling you, with, peanut butter and egg is amazing. It's the um the sweet and, I don't know, the egg, like it just works together. But there's there can't be a yolk in there. You have to make sure right. it's like scrambled eggs or something with no yolk. But then so you, you put a bunch of egg whites with some peanut butter and you mix it together and then you just throw it in a pan? Well, what you do is you take the egg whites and you cook the egg whites first. So you have the egg, you have the whatever you're going to eat, the omelet or whatever. And then you have a bowl of peanut butter and you just throw the egg on top of that. And then you just mix the two together. The peanut butter gets wrapped around the egg and it turns into something amazing. And some baker woman said, yeah, that's, uh, that's, a, that's a good idea. And you can even salt the peanut butter to make like a salted peanut butter to it. And it apparently it tastes really, really good. I would suggest oh. probably black pepper. But I mean, the, it, there's, the food combinations are crazy. Now, if I had to ask you with a nostalgia meal, what is your nostalgia meal?
1: My nostalgia meal? <sighs>
0: Ooh, For me, this. like um, I said, it's that cheese sandwich, that pepperoni and cheese in the microwave. That that would take me back or taquitos from like the Jose Olay's, the ones you see in the grocery store. Yeah, that's my childhood. I think um, – my mother was
1: a was a, was a good cook. I was very was very lucky in that respect. Um and whenever I do something like if let's say I'm cooking myself actually one thing that is a nostalgia because we didn't we didn't have a lot of money when we were growing up. And so um and I still used to cook this with my kids sometimes, it's just what I what, what I call cupboard food basically. And you just I I basically got everything I could find vegetables, baked beans, whatever it was, and just put it on the pan, boil it up, put some chili or whatever to give it a bit of flavor uh, and, and boil some rice and then you mix the whole thing together and you throw um she always used to put sultanas in with it you know like like raisins and it so it gives it a little of sweetness in with it as well and it's basically just like a load of rice bread generally just rice and vegetables together sometimes you might put some sausages or whatever you've got around and it's just this comfort food and my mother used to make it because it, she just you know she didn't have a lot of money and when, when i make it for my kids and i and i love to carry that tradition on and they actually really enjoy it and it's healthy as well so that, that, that takes, whenever I cook it, I kind of think about my mother and, and, and it's definitely um, a, a piece of my childhood that I've been able to bring to my kids, which is cool.
0: Yeah, I love the nostalgia you can get from food. I remember like, if I was really going to choose my death row meal, like I'd, I'd sit there and I'd tell you like a nice crisp biscuit with like some scalloped potatoes or maybe that, uh, that casserole you get on Thanksgiving with the marshmallow in it, like that would be cool. But I know what would really take me back is from all the times I ate Ben and Jerry's fish food ice cream when I was a kid you put that that beside me put a nice peanut butter and fluff sandwich toasted bro like there you go like I I I was watching a video of like this guy recording everybody's last meals that they were getting throughout history people were going like I want 50 pizzas and all this type of stuff and then there's like the very humbled people like I just want a nice banana pudding with a cider and I'm like you can get whatever you want. Wouldn't you just want to take a bite from everything? And the fact that people were still like able to do that to give people their last meals, even though they ended up having to stop it in some States because some people were doing some really crazy shit. They were like, we got you this pizza, but it's not from Domino's. And the guy's like, then I don't want it. And then just refuse to eat it. I was like, all right, that's when if I was the warden or something. I'd be like, we're never doing this again. This selfish son of a bitch.
1: Yeah. The guy's a murderer. They fucking eat it or don't. I- all <laughs> And um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> you're going to eat
0: little Caesars and you're going to like it.
1: <laughs> exactly. And you're just going to think about that person you killed with every mouthful. Yeah. yeah motherfucker. Hot um, and ready, bitch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And guess what? It's, it's the vegetarian one as well. Oh, um, not the meat yeah. lovers. Now you're really killing me. Just why don't you just stick the needle in me now. I don't even care.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What do you think about the death penalty? I mean, it's kind of a thing still over there, isn't it?
0: Uh, I honestly, I don't think it's the right way. What I actually suggested through a podcast is if you gave somebody a psychedelic mushroom, if they were on death row, let them in, let them feel that, let them see that change. Cause they've always brought a different perspective into people's eyes and more humbleness towards people or make up, take salvia like that, What's that. Okay. It's this drug that like, when you take it, um, basically a minute feels like 80 years. Like I listened to my cousin talk about taking it and then go downstairs to his fridge to drink carrot juice. And before the juice touched his lips, he lived the whole life of the carrot that was in the juice from literally the bird shit flying into the dirt from a seed growing. And <laughs> the craziest one I can mention to people to listen to this, it's on Ryan Sickler's podcast. Um, Steve Cantwell has an experience on salvia where he takes it. He passed out for a minute in real time, but he lived eight years as another person in Texas. Literally – it's like when your brain goes into a coma and you wonder what those people are thinking about, like how they create like a false scenario to make you like, you know, brace you for whatever. Like if you ever seen, my name is Earl, the guy gets hit by a car. And then in his yeah. mind, when he was in a coma, he was in a TV show. This guy, Steve Cantwell lived eight years in Texas under a whole nother person's life. And like his brain was tricking him, like all this type of stuff, like everything. And he was like, worked at an apple orchard and he was so descriptive for two hours. You hear this guy, I'll point you to this podcast. He explains it in such detail where it makes you feel like he actually lived it. Then he woke up to his wife hugging him on the floor. Like that type of drug. You give someone that, like if death row, in a minute, they live a whole nother life and a whole different experience. They're going to have a different perception. And maybe death row, that's it. Just give them that. And then maybe they don't want death. Maybe they'll change their ways.
1: God, That's terrifying. That reminds me of that. That drug they had in that uh, Judge Dredd movie, where it where everything just slows down. That's and literally that it what is.
0: it is, except you go into like an alternate like dream or whatever that you're gone forever, basically, and then you get back and it's only been a minute in real time. Like the dude's quite attractive though, doesn't it? Because you
1: could yeah. it could be kind of fun.
0: The dude literally said Steve Cantwell was like, I, I, I lost, I thought I had four kids in my real life. And then this dream convinced me I didn't have any kids. And then I come back to real life and I was so happy because I I had my kids. And then he was like, it was so hard to tell which was the real dream or which was the, my real life. Like he ended up, it, your brain tricks you into believing it. So it's like when your brain gets into a critical state, it's trying to save you.
1: But that's when you start thinking this is a fucking simulation, right?
0: That's, <laughs> dude. I'm pointing you to this episode, but, um, I want to I want to wrap it up, but I really want to give you a minute here to kind of plug your content, too. I want people to find your Instagram. I want people to find any of your, your videos where you can show them where they're at.
1: Yeah, sure. OK, well, um, so the Instagram is called uh, the Bite Size Review, um, and we're based in London and our website is thebitesizereview.com um and basically we just do uh very very fast food reviews um and, and with a with a, a bit of irreverent humor and a good laugh we 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 talk about uh, how fun the place is we talk about we have a good laugh together and then the food is part of it but it's not everything um and we're out and about now each each, each film is about two and a half minutes so it's quick easy digestible content and uh you know you just you just watch it on the train or something and it'll give you a good sense of what that restaurant's like just not just the food it'll tell you that what the place is like but the atmosphere and everything else so it's a bit more information and and, and yeah we try and have a laugh too it's it's genuine there's, the jokes aren't there's no scripting it's all what happens on the day and then we just cut out the best bits and uh yeah and, and we're just looking for more and more places to do and uh so anybody knows anybody that wants wants probably in the London area at the moment, then by all means, uh, we'll come along and and shoot it. It's, it's free at the moment.
0: (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, um, and we're really enjoying it. It's, It's great fun. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank Podcast and stay tuned for our next episode.